0: all right hello everyone and welcome to the media gel podcast i'm guillermo bravo uh, your host today, and I'll be discussing uh, you know, the dig- digital marketing ecosystem. So everything that you can do for your uh, for your cannabis dispenser or brand. Uh, just a little background on MediaGel. MediaGel connects brands and retailers with cannabis consumers uh, through our ad network of mainstream publishers, mobile apps, games, and TV. Uh, we integrate paid search with SEO and programmatic advertising to support uh, e-commerce sales at every step of the customer journey. Today, I have Nick Johnson, who is the director of paid search here at MediaGel, you know, bringing nine years of experience in paid advertising, uh, working in the agency and in automotive industries, scaling ad campaigns nationwide. Welcome to the podcast, Nick.
1: Thanks, Guillermo. Nice to be back. It's always fun doing this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Appreciate uh, Appreciate you joining me today. Um, so, like I said, you know, we're going to be covering, you know, the the ins and outs of what you can and can't do uh, as far as advertising the cannabis space. Uh, you know, really how to build a thriving cannabis digital marketing ecosystem. Um, so, Nick, you know, I guess we can start from the top. Uh, where do you want to start?
1: Uh, let's start with what is the foundation of the entire marketing ecosystem, and why is it the website?
0: Yeah. So, you know, the, the website is your, your online business card, right? So this is where everyone can go to, to find, you know, your address, your name, like your story, like who you are as a company. This is all done through your website. And a lot of the digital marketing channels that you'll be leveraging, uh, you know, that I'll be discussing later in this um, webinar we are all be sending traffic to your website. So you really need to ensure that, you know, you have all the, the core features uh, that, you know, that are critical for driving business on your website. So,
1: okay. Well, I guess with that in mind, the core features of a business card are contact info, your name, your email, your phone number. What are those core features that are crucial then for a website? What if you're saying that's the foundation where do we start at Media Gel as the the crucial points of of that foundation?
0: Yeah, so you know, I guess for the first thing, uh, you need to make the UX easy to use. Um, so you know, make sure that your your message is front and clear on who you are as a company and you know what you're what you're delivering. So if you're a di- you know if you're a dispensary, um, you know you should have your location, your shop, your where to order you know, uh, a click to order, call to actions, all front and center. Uh, So, you know, for a website, I would say, yeah, make the UX easy to use, the user experience, Uh, make sure that it's built for, you know, built for mobile devices. Like everyone's on their cell phones nowadays, right? Uh, So ensure that uh, the website is really easy to use on your cell phone or mobile devices, but it's also built for for tablets as people are on their iPads as well uh, and desktop. So making sure that the website is available across all uh, those channels Um, and then make sure that the website loads fast. You know, that's definitely, that's one part of SEO and, you know, one part of really just retaining customers on your website. Like it should be uh, easy to navigate and and fast to get to, to where they like to get, you know, right. You don't want to confuse or lose people for sure yeah, exactly and with,
1: then you want to uh, with, it, with the cannabis industry aspect there is it something that do you still want google and search engines crawling the site do you still want them performing their basic uh, services there from a performance mat- metric or does that need to be at all altered or blocked because of the industry
0: no i mean you definitely don't want to block uh crawlers from you know from going through your website so you know google is the you know number one search engine, you know, they responsible for, I think 91.6% of all um, search traffic globally. Uh, so you want to make sure that your cannabis store or your brand is in, in your website is crawlable by search engines, so that, uh, you know, you can start to get that organic traffic and, you know, we'll share a little bit, uh, you know, to, to why that is it's, you know, it's a crucial part of your part of your business long-term. Um, you yeah, know, I'd say one thing I, I didn't didn't mention as far as like um, you know, make clear call to actions. You know, so you know, for a dispensary website, you know, you should have an order online button like front and center. And if you're on your cell phone, it should be maybe on the top right or the middle mm-hmm. of of your page, and uh, you know, on your on your phone. Yeah, on your phone, you want to make sure that it's uh, above the fold. And by above the fold, meaning, you know, you don't have to scroll to actually get to the call to action. It should be like right there, uh, you know, as soon as you load the website.
1: Okay, cool. And so for, for the media just side, for us, what does that all typically entail? What does that cost, cost-wise? What does that run if we needed to go in and, and build a whole site for a client?
0: Yeah, I mean, so you know, working with MediGel or with an agency, you know, can expect to pay anywhere from like $3,000 up to, I would say, $20,000 on a, on a on like say in a, a multi-store location website, or if you like, um, you know, kind of special features. Um, you know, you, actually it might be a good exercise right now if we, I can share my screen and I can show you a few examples of sites just to, you know, so people have a good idea.
1: Yeah, be good context, um, especially in a, a range from three to twenty thousand. It's probably different options, customizability, all that kind of stuff probably comes into play.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'll just show you. Um, so this this is uh, Vitacan out of New York, uh, I believe. Uh, some of our friends at High Hopes developed this, uh, nice. but you know they have. Uh, let's just you know they have a lot of stores, right? So they wanted to have the ability to. To see information about, about each of these locations, and then be able to shop online fairly quickly. Uh, so you can see that you know the business information is front and center. Their address is there. Their shopping cart is there. Shop now is there. Um, you know they have different ways that you can shop by flower, by pre rolls. Um, so this is a really nice <clears throat> this is a really nice website. I say another one that I've seen is like Sunnyside um, uh, cannabis, they've, you know, they've done a great job at this as well. Um, here's a, a glimpse at the kind of compliance side. So, you know, making sure that, uh, you have your, uh, 21 and up opt-in, uh, you know, they've, they've kind of got a similar direction. You know, it's really easy to find a store. You can sort by state, uh, and then if I shrink this a little bit and I look at uh, the mobile experience, you can see how this uh, changes if you're on an iPhone. Wow. Still so, pretty functional though, yeah. Nothing yeah, gets cut okay. off, you don't lose any info. Yeah, so really ensuring like that you know, all the best practices are in place. So you go to Flower, uh, you know, I can... It can immediately um, looks like uh, Riggleville or Lakeview is my default store here. So if I want to go to a different store, you know, I can, I can swap, um, swap stores, go to Buffalo Grove or or um, Chicago. Nice. So sh- shop adult use here. Okay. Um, and then another one, like just looking at uh, a brand. Uh, I'm not sure how to spell it cannabis. Now, Ken has done a great job as far as the brand perspective, uh, providing a great user experience. Um, just click yes there. Oh, wow. So they have, yeah, what sets them apart is I believe they use the Jane menu um, so that you can actually find stores uh, near you if you share your location. Oh, cool. um, so let's just take a look at that. Candestan's brands. So this is a way to go direct to consumer for brands. And this is something that, uh, you know, a lot of brands that are offering yet, um, but, you know, has definitely kind of set themselves apart by offering this. Looks like they make this available in Los Angeles. So you can actually order delivery from their shopping cart uh, directly from the brand store. So.
1: Oh, wow. That's really interesting with, so this is all website based and builds there. And now we're talking, talking menus it seems like a good segue to get into some SEO since this is kind of a custom or unique industry in that aspect. Where, where are the pillars or where do the foundation for the SEO site? Is it mostly menu based? Is it more content blog based, like maybe a traditional non-e-commerce site um, hybrid mix? What do you think is the best approach to get the organic results at the top of the page?
0: Yeah. So I'd say the pillars for SEO is going to be on-page optimization uh, so SEO is search engine optimization, and that's really you know optimizing your website and making sure it's uh, you know, built so that you know, search engines can actually read and process the content on your on your website, uh, with the goal of ranking at the top of search engine results page. So I can actually show you a little bit of that as well. So let me just pull that up here. <clears throat> So um, let's say uh, in San Diego, and I want to go to a cannabis store. Uh, so at the top here, you'll see this is actually a paid search ad. Mm-hmm. This is something um, you know that we we use uh, on a regular basis. You know, this is your background. Your expertise is really um, ensuring that our clients are at the. Uh, top of the search results page for a paid for a Google ad. Under that uh, would be the organic search results. So our, the goal of SEO for a cannabis store would be to rank in this local pack here. Sorry, local pack. So there's typically three organic slots uh, for organic search. Uh, so this is uh, the local pack. And then under that will be uh, the, you know, kind of the regular, uh, organic results. Gotcha. This is um, a few ways that you can rank here. And one thing to keep in mind is, you know, this is on a desktop. So if I were on a, on a phone, I'd probably be using my Google maps app. Um, so if you go into Google maps and search for a cannabis store or dispensary near me, uh, you know, that's what, you know, that's where these results would be, um, here, uh, you know, Urban Leaf, uh, you know, we supported on the SEO there, so I'm happy to see that they're at the top ranking. <laughs> uh, I was noticing that. <laughs> uh, March and Ash looks like they're spending money there, so yeah, on the SEO front, you want to ensure that uh, you know you your website is built for for search engines, uh, and on-page optimization would be one way to do that. And I'll just kind of show you on Urban Leaf where that would be. <clears throat> so on the header here, um, you know, we have Canvas dispensaries suspensories as part of the, the title tag. So on page... That on the,
1: into SEO too, that top header?
0: Yeah, so the top header is actually called the title tag. Okay. And I'll just show you where that is here. So the title tag is this this section right here. So you can actually mark this up in your website. So that it displays... Uh, on the search engine results page, oh, nice. and then this is called your meta description. So that's um, right under, right under the title tag, um, and then I'll just kind of show you. Let's look at a location. Uh, let's do San Isidro. So you can see the title tag says San Isidro Urban Leaf Cannabis Dispensaries, uh, San Diego uh, Dispensary is this is the the header tag of the of the webpage. Um, so this is called the H1 tag, <clears throat> and then they also have their address, phone number, all their business details. Uh, we typically recommend to put uh, you know let's uh, say like nearby attractions. Um, so you can associate the page with things that are going around, going around, uh, going on in the neighborhood. So, you know, they have hotels, they got restaurants, uh, SEO content is key to this. So content is, is king on the SEO front and you want to ensure that that is strategically placed within the page as well. Um, you know, and then as, in addition to that, you, you know, you want to create content on a regular basis for the blog. Uh, so let's see if I can find that here. Looks like they have some of their new arrivals products. They have some deals going on here. Um, really, like I guess one thing to keep in mind is to education and resources. Here you go. So here's some content that they put together. Uh, so women in cannabis. This is uh, one piece of content that was put together. Um, you know, large piece of content. So blog, blog posts, uh, content, I I would call it evergreen content. So, you know, the, um, you know, what is the difference between sativas and, and indica, um, how to consume edibles, uh, the dose, uh, details on how the, the dosing and like what, know, what is the best practice or recommendation on that? All those content pieces would be helpful for your consumer. And those would be, you know, considered evergreen content. Um, So that's a lot of the on-page SEO that, you know, takes place for a website. Okay. Uh, So if we
1: just were a client and we just got a new website, you know, built and running, do you need to give Google or the search engines time to, to, you know, start optimizing when do you start SEO work after you get a new site implemented? Is it immediate hmm. or is there a lag? Uh,
0: yes. Yeah, so for a, uh, for a site, you know, you should really take SEO into place before you even build a site, like taking oh. the consideration. Um, so, you know, during that first phase, like if you're up a new store, that's opening uh, you can have all the content created, and, you know, you can, uh, you know, first thing you want to do is set up your Google My Business listing, not like separate from the site, because that can take about two weeks for you to receive a postcard to that address to confirm that that's an actual location that you own. Um, that's kind of brings us to our next point is link building. So SEO is heavy on on-page SEO. So a lot of the, the title tags, descriptions, the content, Uh, Everything needs to be marked up uh, with search engines in mind. Uh, We call this schema. So you can actually mark this up uh, for each page. You can say this page is a uh, San Isidro cannabis store. And then if you have another page for San Diego or for Los Angeles, you, you would mark up each of those individually so that each, so that that store, that location and that listing shows up you know, as I showed you before in that local pack for every city that you're in. Oh, wow. um, so that's, you know, there's a big difference within, you know, when you're managing SEO for one location versus, you know, 100 stores. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more to it. Um, so you really want to ensure that you, the infrastructure and, and, the, and the site map of your website is in place and that it's all managed by, you know, either in house, if you have someone on the SEO side or through a partner agency okay
1: so if you're matching or tagging up in the the link building if you're doing each you know location page by city and, and cannabis store does that only apply to the location page or do you have to then tag all of the like main pages with all of that those tags or do you, how do you how do you differentiate there
0: yeah so for for each page you'd mark them up separately and then uh for anything that involves a location, there's kind of like a different language that you need mark up. It was like location schema. Gotcha. Uh, and then you would connect that to uh, you, your um, Google Search Console. So Google Search Console allows you to submit your sitemap and also uh, check to make sure your schema is valid. Right. Uh, so there's there's a lot of technical components to the back end of, you know, for, for search engine optimization and SEO. Um, but it is you know, one of the, I would say the top digital marketing tactic for driving e-commerce revenue to your site. I mean, we have, you know, I'd say between uh, all our clients, I would say it's, you know, 70% of all their online sales is coming from SEO. Yeah. I know.
1: I work in paid search. I see it. I lose to them every
0: month. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: So with that being said, you know, what are the monthly costs then if you're, you're driving all this revenue, how does that work? Is there, are there certain tactics you can start with to, to minimize cost? Would you have to grow into a more expansive plan? Is that, does that differ if you're an MSO versus a single operator as far as that, uh, implementation goes?
0: Yeah. So I would, you know, set a budget for each location. Um, I would say a thousand dollars minimum. That's, I mean, that's honestly not enough. Uh, you yeah, know, so, at least dedicate a thousand dollars to it i would say three thousand dollars for a location like san diego it may take you five thousand dollar plus because there's just high competition uh and san diego is known for digital marketers so you know there's every cannabis store in san diego is in, investing a significant amount of money in in this tactic so you know san diego los angeles san francisco oakland you know all those cities are, are going to have high competition but there's you know high return on the investment. Right. So, um, yeah, we've, we have partners that are spending upwards of $10,000 on one store because it's that, you know, it's that crucial to their business.
1: So in that aspect, then is that a, a play where there isn't a volume thing? Is that a lot of content being produced? Is that, a, is that a, a numerous number of like backlinks and tags in the meta um, descriptions or the, uh, that yeah. area, or how does that work?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be heavy on content and then heavy on link building. So mm-hmm. link building is what takes place uh, outside you know, the website. So it's another website linking to yours. Uh, I guess the easiest way you can look at it is uh, like social media. Like you post an image and people up like that. It's the same thing. Like people are giving, you know, saying that you're a credible website and they're giving oh, you okay. a vote. Um, so that's where a lot of the the funds are spent uh, because that's how you increase trust and authority with Google is really like building your backlink profile. Okay. Interesting. Yep. And you know, we have, we have the audience here, so feel free to, to jump in and, and, you know, ask your questions. If you familiarize, familiarize yourself with the Q and a in the bottom or the chat and zoom, Mm -hmm. like I'm more than happy to answer your questions live. Uh, We'll be talking about marketplaces, uh, social media, paid search, display advertising, you know, digital out-of-home advertising, email and SMS. So anything that you have questions on regarding any of those topics, feel free to, to add them below. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Good little segue into our marketplace uh, discussion then. And I, yeah, I think sure. we've got our pre, uh, pre-thought-up questions. So we've got one Q&A here. Uh, How long does it take to see increase in sales on a website? And I assume that would be after uh, an SEO implementation, Jim. So after kind of an initial launch and and structure of SEO, when can you see that increase in those returns?
0: Yeah. So SEO is going to take, I would say, give it three to six months at least to see some traction. Uh, SEO is a triathlon. (laughs) It's a, it's a, it's a long process. Uh, You know, it's, Involves all the pillars I mentioned before, you know, on-page optimization, content, link building, uh, you know, really building your listings across all platforms like Yelp, Google, Bing, Foursquare. Like there's a lot of places uh, that you, you have to build your presence. Um, so, you know, be patient with those efforts uh, because it is, it is worth the investment in time. Like it, uh, it is a significant part of, of your business and revenue, and it it does it does take some dedication uh, to actually to see results. Especially if you're a, if you're a brand new store, it's going to take you a little longer uh, because Google's not familiar with your brand or your business. But if you've been around for a little bit, uh, you know, say one or two years, and you have some history with Google, you can start to see those results faster. Um, so I would. You know, I would start slow, keep it uh, focused maybe on one location, um, really drive results for that one location, and then kind of expand from there.
1: Nice. <clears throat> um, Mason has a question about programmatic and display. Do you want to cover that now or wait a little bit till we get to that section?
0: Uh, how long does it take in? Uh, We can cover it now.
1: Yeah. Okay. I like it too. Uh, Is there a way to buy display directly without using a data provider like Surfside, et cetera, specifically for cannabis accessories, uh, bong, ashtray? So what are other good media placement options for this space? Solid question, Mason.
0: Yeah, so let me just go through that. Without using a data provider. Um, Yeah, so... You know, you could, I guess the answer to that question would be, you can use your own uh, PMP or a private marketplace. Um, So, you know, if you want to go direct and buy through like a a Centro or some of the other like trade desk, and you want to just buy directly through those platforms, then you can. Um, As far as the data sources, you know, you can buy them from a surf side. You can buy data from a partner like us. Like we, um, we have our own data sets of, Uh, cannabis consumers. Uh, you can also buy data from like a third party, like a uh, new frontier data or like a BDS analytics. Uh, so there's a lot of different uh, channels for you to actually purchase data. Uh, and then specifically for like bongs and ashtrays. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to look to see what like data partners would have that information available. Uh, you know, one, I guess one strategy I would recommend for that is you could geofence uh, all the head shops in the United States for bongs and you know, anyone that sells these type of accessories and uh, you know, like drug paraphernalia. And then we can do a look back over the last six months on anyone who's walked in and had like the location services on, on their phone uh, and walked into that store and create an audience from that. So, I mean, that would, Mason, that would be one strategy that I would recommend. And, you know, I'm happy to, uh, to kind of walk you through that process. It's uh, something that we do all the time, um, you know, especially, especially for like uh, head shops and cannabis stores. And if there's any other like ancillary businesses that you, you know, think people um, would go and visit on a regular basis that would, you know, be relevant to that audience, we can geofence those as well and create an audience from that. Nice.
1: That right. looks like it for the QA at the moment. So going back to the, the original kind of outline here, we've got marketplaces up next. And I know we've got some pre-questions for that, but I just want to take it a level up. What is a marketplace in this industry? Where does that define that? How how necessary are they or the usability? What what would you kind of how would you classify marketplaces for the cannabis industry?
0: Yeah. So cannabis marketplace would be you know something along the lines of the you know weed maps or leafly. So mm-hmm. Uh, think Yelp so Yelp is somewhat of a marketplace uh, it's a place that you can go to find you know businesses related to what you're searching so weed hard industry it's cannabis retailers and brands so if you're looking to to find find a, a business in your area you can go on a marketplace and you can see a full list of all the dispensaries in your area okay. uh, same thing with uh, products so you know leafly and weed maps, uh, they're a little different in kind of their offering, but, you know, uh, you know essentially they have their own uh, set of cannabis consumers who they know already buy cannabis products and you're really like buying into access that those consumers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because it's
1: only within their network, I would assume.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, I'm trying to remember, I think uh, weed maps has close to 15 million active users according to their their last uh, uh, you know, quarterly report and you know both these companies are public by the way so you know a lot of this information is uh, accessible like through their quarterly reports uh, so let me actually check I, I did do a post on this uh, earlier this week uh-huh. uh, but it's let's see <clears throat> Uh, marketplaces. Yeah. You got 13.9 million marketplace, uh, c- cannabis consumers in weed maps and 10 million, uh, active users in leafly. Okay. So you get a good chunk of business there that you can, you can leverage, uh, and get access to the, you know, to those consumers for your brand.
1: How would you go about leveraging that? Obviously there's probably a cost for advertising on what is, what are the placements look like? Is it more, um, display focused or more search based? How does that work?
0: Uh, yeah, so I know that Weed Maps and Leafly they offer like a preferred listing, so you can kind of, kind of like a paid a, a, a bidding model. Yeah. Um, so if you want, uh, be, if you want to be the first dispensary in San Diego uh, for that category, then you can kind of pay for that, pay for that uh, you know, preferred spot. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's
1: almost like the Google search page, but it's just really boiled down to be within the Leafly or Weedmaps marketplace so that your search is only going to be cannabis, you know, area uh, dispensaries or whatever. But you can pay yeah. for that top listing.
0: Yeah, you can. So it's a little different. Like Google is more organic, right? So like Google right. wants to provide the the, um, the best experience for the customer. So it's based on like reviews. It's based on proximity to, to uh, where you're searching from. Whereas in like these other platforms, like weed maps or lethal, you can actually just pay to get at the top. Um, but you know, that, you know, that can, you know, entail like there's a lot of competition. So it can get, get you into bidding wars. So that's the only kind of downside from that. Um, uh, but the good thing is like you can get uh, you know, you can get sales fairly quickly. So uh, you know, if I'm a delivery service, I'd probably go down the route of using weed maps in California. Uh, they have different market shares as well. So that's another thing to consider is like uh, Weedmaps is big in, in California. Leafly is bigger in like Washington state. Uh, I know Michigan has a pretty big um, uh, Weed Map saturation, Washington, DC. So it's, it's, it definitely varies depending on uh, the platform. Actually, there's a great tool that I would recommend uh, so you can actually see like where weed maps is being searched for. And that would be at Google Trends. Oh. So if I just did a simple search for weed maps in Google Trends, uh, let's just do uh, United States. Oh, you can see right there. So it looks like California, Nevada is pretty solid interest, Oklahoma, Maine, Michigan. Uh, they have the highest saturation, Arkansas, Colorado, Nevada. And if I did a search for leafly. Looks like Arizona's huge on leafly, uh, Oregon, Washington, um, same thing, Oklahoma. And, you know, I guess it's fair. Like Oklahoma has, uh, I think the most cannabis stores for any state, um, but, uh, yeah, they they pretty much gave a dispensary to everyone there.
1: <laughs> Everybody's got their methods. Yeah. Okay. Um, moving on then. We do have a question in the QA. Um, it's from Jim. It's a little, I'm interested to see what your take is here. Um, I'll let you read that one, but it's I sell a natural cleaner online in a small town where local SEO is less effective, which would make sense in a small town with less volume there, right? So what would be a better strategy than local SEO?
0: um i mean you can do a paid search campaign right um that's always my answer though, so well, nat- sure that was the right answer nat- <laughs> natural cleaner online i guess you're you're kind of talking about like household and per- personal care products um you know i guess paid search would be one and if it's a if it's an actual product i would probably invest in the shopping feeds All Right. also so if, it's, you know- if it's not, not cannabis related you can you can get approved in the shopping feeds and I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we can get CBD approved in shopping fees
1: as well, right? We can get quite a bit. Yeah, as long as there's no THC in there, we've had decent uh, success with shopping uh, feeds, shopping ads, stuff. Awesome. It's a bomb cleaner you can eat. So it is cannabis related and very interesting. Um, yeah, I would say... The local SEO or the, the SEO would, would be a, work, a workaround, but um, I'd be interested in, in trying out some shopping ads for that because I, I do think we could probably find some solutions there, but that's an interesting one, Jim. Thanks.
0: Yeah. So yeah, some more, uh, some blonde, blonde cleaner. Okay, got it. All right, continue on, Nick. All right, let's do it. Out for me. on into
1: Social media. So Social media is a big beast. Lots of opinions there. What social media platform would be the, I don't know, maybe not best, but just your first focus, if you were going to do social media advertising, um, I guess also, is it all advertising versus social or you know organic posting? How do you marry the two and, and where would you look first?
0: Yeah. So, you know, for cannabis brands, uh, and retailers, I would say Instagram, it would be my number one, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of users, I would say there's, there's a lot of users on that platform and Facebook. Like those are the two, Mm -hmm. um, that have, you know, large, uh, audiences of cannabis consumers. Um, the one thing I would, uh, you know, keep in mind for this is that, uh, you know, it's, it's only meant to build brand awareness. Uh, you're not, you're not supposed to promote the sale or use of cannabis. Uh, you know, you can't put, Deals on there. You can't uh, even put your phone number, your address, anything on your on your Instagram profile, hmm. um, and that's actually in the that's actually in their law like in their uh, policy. So nope. actually, yeah, let me pull that up right now because I was just looking at that earlier.
1: Yeah, I'm curious too. With that, can you <clears throat> put paid promotion behind the ads of the post, or is just strictly no promotion at all?
0: This is organic, so. Okay. If you, you know, as far as social media, like, you know, you'll have to uh, you know, post uh, like images, uh, stories on Instagram or, or Facebook, uh, but you can see here is prohib- prohibits any marijuana seller, including dispensaries from promoting their business by providing contact information like phone numbers, email addresses, street address, or by using the contact us tab. We do allow people to include a website in their bio information. So, you know, that's, um, you know, you have to follow their policy. Uh, you know, I've, I've worked with partners in the past that have gotten banned or, or shadow banned. And, you know, it's, uh, it's sad to see, you know, especially you invest all this money in, uh, you know, investing, investing in, uh, you know, like a photo shoot and, and growing your followers. Uh, there's a lot that, goes into social media so like just be aware like it's it's not just posting content like you you have to get someone uh to actually produce that content and manage that whole process for you.
1: Okay. And I assume with Instagram being by Meta, Facebook or by Meta or whatever it is now, Facebook is the same type of policies then as well, yeah. Yeah. Are there any other yeah. channels that are more um open to it or more you know inclusive? Is there anything out there?
0: Yeah. I mean, right. Well, first of all, and there used to be, um, there is no like cannabis only social uh, like cannabis focused like social media platform right now. Mass roots was one of those in the past. Uh, but I believe burner and weed maps are putting them, putting together one uh, that's going to be coming out soon. So I'd keep an eye out for that one. Uh, LinkedIn is great for B2B. Um, so, I mean, I, I prefer LinkedIn, um, by far over any of this, of the, uh, any of the other social media platforms because, you know, they are friendly, uh, they're not a public company. So that's another reason that, you know, they, they can have their own private, you know, their own, uh, policies right. and they don't have to adhere to, um, you know, what, uh, made it us. So a little more open and lenient when it comes to, um, you know, talking about cannabis on those platforms, but once again, like it's you have to know the purpose of social media. It's really top of funnel and it's to create brand awareness. It's not to generate sales. It's to build your net. I mean, it's social network is to build your network. It's for networking with other people. Um, so, you know, I just want to make sure I emphasize that, that people know yeah. like, Hey, that's, you really have to use these uh, channels in the right way. Yeah. Uh, or else, you know, you can get shut down or banned. Yeah.
1: It makes sense. It looks like Jim had an issue with Facebook ads and they've been um, maybe suspended or no longer allowed to advertise. In that scenario, if you've got 2,000 followers, would you keep the page and just avoid the advertising port and go organic? It sounds like maybe you would because it's the play to do there. Um, But he's asking, would it be worth it to start over with a new page? And I'm guessing the answer is no there. But what do you think?
0: No, I mean, I would I would continue to grow that 2000 follower page uh, and just know, Jim, that you, you're not supposed to advertise cannabis products on there through their ad platform. I would recommend, you know, doing a, you know, display display campaign like through us. Uh, Cause then you can advertise on mainstream. Yeah. Mainstream media. Yeah. It was a hard, yeah, hard lesson. Like I've, I had some partners that have had you know, 10,000 followers on their cannabis brand and you know, they lost it. And, uh, you know, it really set back their, their business on, you know, they're engaging with their existing followers. So they had to start from scratch and, you know, in that case, I'd probably build a backup as well.
1: You mentioned <clears throat> LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, somebody had a chat question, uh, Sabrina, what about Twitter? Is it worth it?
0: Uh, I, I don't see too much business, uh, occurring in far as, as far as the cannabis industry on Twitter, I would say it's more for, you know, for influencers, media trying to get their word out there. So like, if you, if you have a a CEO or founder that really wants to share their, like, you know, their personal experience, their personal opinions, Twitter would be the, the best place, you know, similar to like Elon Musk uses it, right. It's, um, you know, it's really, it's really like a personal connection and it's short overview of, some of their thoughts. Um, I don't see I don't see too many people using cannabis, uh using Twitter for the cannabis industry effectively. Um, uh, I see it more like a syndication and I, I do see like a lot of spam on there as well. So that's the that's the only thing to consider there.
1: Okay. And then for somebody who may be a little more, you know, into this process or a little more seasoned in social media, say they've already got a solid Instagram and Facebook following uh groups are built up, whatever it may be. What what can they do? What would be the next step in that progression, or the next platform or tool that they can look to utilize, either to you know expand what they're doing on Facebook and Instagram, or break it out into yet another area or platform?
0: Uh, I mean, I would probably stick with those two, and then I mean, there's a few differences in, in them, like the audiences. Like uh, Facebook is, you know, has an older demographic, um, mm. and it's more widely used globally. Mm. Um, so it has more active users globally, uh, Instagram has a, a younger user base. And then, you know, be, beyond that, I would say Snapchat, yeah. uh, I do know some like social media influencer agencies that, um, give you, you know, the ability to reach, you know, a large cannabis consumer base through Snapchat as well. So, uh, like swipe up campaigns for clicks. Like that's one, one thing that you can pay. Uh, to get exposure to. So that, I guess that's the workaround. So you can't pay Facebook and Instagram, Snapchat directly for ads, but you can, play, you can pay influencers that have, you know, a million to up to, I think a few I know, um, have like 30 million followers that they're managing and you can pay uh, to have them do swipe up campaigns. Uh, so that's a story, you know, someone posts a story and then you can click on the link in Instagram to go to to a project page. And you can in, add a UTM to that so you can track any of the sales from those efforts. Gotcha.
1: Would TikTok be kind of similar than the Snapchat in that area? Influencer-based and and follower volume would be what you're looking for?
0: Yeah, th- I would say so. Just the only thing is TikTok is, the, I mean, it's the most strict out of all the platforms. Oh. So yeah, if any any like showing cannabis flower or anything, like it's, it's highly restricted. So I would just kind of... Uh, Error on the side of caution for that one. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Um, how much more, what, what's our run length for this thing? How much time we got?
0: We got 20 minutes.
1: Okay, cool. Well, let's just keep carrying on. Um, do we want to do paid search or we want to skip over to display advertising? How are you feeling? Uh,
0: let's do high level paid search. Okay. Oh, well, we I mean, I guess we already covered it. I mean, we. Yeah. I showed you the Google ad at the top. Uh, I showed you the, the Google ad and the, um, the local pack, it's essentially, you're just paying to skip to the front of the line. And Nick, like what's, you know, as far as like, how much does that cost? Like, what do you think? Oh,
1: it depends. It's a cost per click model, obviously. So depending on the market, you can get anywhere from, you know, a dollar 50 to four or $5 a click. So monthly budget, a minimum, good minimum level is typically two or 3000 per location. Um, but some locations will, will take 7500 to eight or nine, ten thousand per location. Um, especially if you're more if you're a location-based dispensary, but if you're a delivery area the whole delivery region can be covered and uh, costs can be whatever you need it to be to kind of feel like you have adequate coverage from 10, 15, dollars and up. Um, we've got some bigger clients that have you know, 50 plus locations. And so you can, you can get your costs up there, but they see the return on the back end with, with the ROAS that we're tracking and coming through. So it's always a, a money-making endeavor. And like you mentioned, uh, SEO being the triathlon or a marathon where it's a longer, more drawn out endurance kind of product. Uh, Google Ads has that aspect, but we get the advantage of, I can build a campaign and launch it today and tomorrow it'll be serving in that top ad spot if it's the right ad in the right place. I don't have to have the the wait time and the the kind of clout built up behind me of validity. We can kind of pay to, to cut the line, if you will.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, to answer your question, Mason, you can, you can go through an influencer directly or uh, to an agency that manages them. Uh, Dank City is one that I know um, that manages influencers and there's top tree agency as well. So those are two that actually manage influencers. And those sound
1: like those are cannabis specific influencer agencies too. So that's even... Pretty neat right there. Okay. Crazy. All right. Moving into display, we kind of touched base on display a little bit, but how does it fit into the overall marketing mix? Uh, If we've got SEO, we've got our website, we've got some paid stuff going on. Where do you throw display in there and what's its function and focus?
0: Yeah. So, you know, display is going to be top of funnel. Uh, So, you know, think of a digital billboard, right? You're driving down, you're driving down the freeway in Los Angeles, you're seeing billboards. So it's it's interruptive, right? Like you're on, you're reading the news. You're reading the news, and you're going to see multiple banners, uh, and the goal of that is really uh, to support in kind the rule of seven, right? So, you know, you want the you want a, a potential customer to see your business seven times before they'll actually, uh, you know, make a purchase. Um, that's kind of an old school theory, but it still applies today. Um, so it's really just uh, grain, gaining uh, brain awareness. So. You know when we talk about display advertising, it's um, you know the, the the types that you can use is like banners, right? So you can do um, banner ads on, on publications, uh, mobile apps, games, dating, uh, chat, music streaming, podcast streaming. You can actually do audio ads. Um, <clears throat> you can also do uh, a connected TV, so like streaming video on your on your uh, like at-home device or Roku. Uh, and then you could also do it on um, gaming consoles. Okay. So there's a lot of places that you can position uh, display advertising. And then in addition to that, I would also kind of throw in digital at-home advertising. So, you know, those digital kiosks that you see mm-hmm. uh, like bus stations or like metro, metropolitan areas, airports, like there's a lot of places that you can uh, reach cu- customers through digital at-home. Um, so yeah, as, as far as the marketing mix, I would you know really it's brand awareness, um, you know really gaining traction um, as far as uh, you know an initial campaign. But there's other campaigns that can run for display advertising that are kind of bottom of funnel. So if a if someone has you know, come to your website, they you know went to your shopping cart but they didn't check out, um, you can retarget them with ads. Uh, so you can. You know, follow them around uh, and continue to show them uh, your brand and maybe an incentive or a deal if that's allowed in your state uh, until they come back and purchase from you. So that's, um, that's something that we do quite often and it's really successful. And the great thing about that is, you, know, you you have a pixel installed on your website and any traffic that goes to your website, whether it's from paid search, SEO, from social media or any, any of the channels, that all goes into a bucket and you can retarget those with ads, retarget that audience with ads. So there's a few ways that you can use display advertising. Would <laughs>
1: all of those at a home, the display, the, um, I think you mentioned one or two others in there that have the the, um, the little just uh, yeah, kiosks, the kiosks. Yeah. would those all be the same programmatic or display campaign essentially and it's just different placements or would that have to be? an individual decision to be in those certain areas or those certain places?
0: Um, you know, that would be kind of discussed when, we, when you're building out a marketing strategy. So banners would be uh, one campaign and I would say video would be a different campaign type. Uh, audio would be another and then digital out at home would be a separate. So if yeah. you wanted to, if I wanted to advertise in like bars, you know, cause they're 21 and up and I know they have a compliant, aud- compliant audience, then I can run that as a campaign. Um, so that's yeah, I would consider them separate.
1: Gotcha. That makes sense. There's a question here um in the QA from Hannah that I think would be interesting if we have any insights to. I don't know if we do, but basically she's asking some dispensaries seem to be able to post pretty much whatever they want, bud, cannabis language, et cetera, um, and graphics and whatnot, but they can't literally post anything without getting flagged or removed. Is there a, a differentiation there? Is there anything maybe that you can pinpoint? Is it a, a a page setup, you know, parameter or something that perhaps is off?
0: Uh, you know, I've I've seen that right, like the flower porn. Like you have the the Jungle Boys and other platforms yeah. that they post flower all the time, and they don't have any problems. Uh, but then you know, I Burner and Jungle Boys have both been shut down by Instagram at some point, so. You know, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a double edged sword. It's like, yeah, how much do you want to invest in there? How much do you want to be um, explicit on these platforms? Uh, the language that you use, I would say, is more important. Like, you might be able to post flower, but I wouldn't say like this is on sale or this is available or this is. You know, I wouldn't talk about like <laughs> anything that it you know was that's outside of the Instagram policy. I mean. That's that's the best that you can do unfortunately like there, you're not gonna get any real answers back from the social media platforms uh, and it's you know sad to say like a lot of the times um, the reason that you may uh, getting be getting disapproved or flagged is one of your competitors is reporting it. So that's kind of you know, unfortunate part of uh, social media. Gotcha. Uh, we have another question: Do websites mm-hmm. with ads have to demonstrate that the audience is primarily over the age of twenty-one? Uh, yeah, so on the targeting, like when you're actually setting up uh, a display ad campaign, you set that as a parameter. So, like we, you know, we know like the the demographic information about the the different consumers based on their mobile device ID. So you can tell if the, if the, you know, on my phone, it's, it's called the IDFA uh, or, or my mobile device ID. It's almost like a, a mobile social security card, to, social security number. So um, they'll know that I'm like male 37 uh, and, you know, uh, I guess where I'm, where I'm visiting and, you know, what, uh, what stores I visit on a regular basis so on the advertiser side, I can choose that information. It's like, hey, like I only want to advertise that people are tw- female and 21 and up. Or if I'm in Canada, it can be 18 or 19 and up, like depending on what the right. uh, com- the regulations are in your state or province. Um, so I would just keep that in mind that it's uh, you do have the capabilities of kind of gating or only targeting people that are 21 and up with. Uh, display advertising or programmatic. Uh, you can do the same with Google ads as well, right? Yeah. The, the
1: ranges are a little broader, but you can, I, I want to, off the top of my it's head, like 25 I think it's, 24, or, I think it's yeah. 24 to 31 is the lowest that we do. And then we just, we lose a couple of people in the 21 to 23 range, but for compliance, that's yeah. completely worth it.
0: Yeah. And I believe in California, it's 71.6% like of all your um, people that see your advertisers have to be of the compliance yeah. age, so that's where like digital digital marketing, this whole ecosystem is you know that much more powerful because you can actually limit that, uh, and then you can provide proof. So if you go into like Google Analytics, you can actually export all your demographic information, Uh and you can show that as proof if you know you get audited by one of the regulatory um, um, you know systems. So, gotcha, uh, and that's you know one reason why you know it's a you know, kind of uh, be your clients away from doing billboards because it's a little harder uh, to show proof on who you're actually reaching. And then there's no way to actually attribute uh, that to a sale. So besides asking in store, like, Hey, where did you hear about us? Right. It was billboard. Yeah. Which is a hard one to close. (laughs) Yeah.
1: All right. Well, we've got it down to one last topic here and I don't believe we've got any outstanding questions. So email and text messaging (laughs) marketing. Let's figure that out. What can we leverage there? What is possible? What's the best content to put through those maybe as opposed to, you know, your, your website content and the variations or differences there.
0: Yeah. So I guess, you know, the, I guess step one would be ensure that you uh, are capturing people's email addresses and phone numbers, whether it's on the website or in store. With their um, permission. With their permission. Yeah. So you have to actually get them to uh, select like a checkbox Uh, to opt in to marketing messages. So be sure that you do that or else you'll get a, you know, you can get large fines from, uh, you know, from text messaging someone. I think it's $15,000 per message if you text them without their permission. So make sure that uh, you follow, um, you know, best practices and you're compliant. Uh, Second thing is, uh, you know, this is really meant for nurturing clients. So this is bottom of funnel. People have already come in your store or they've already visited your website. So they're familiar with you, you know, so you can leverage email and SMS to send weekly deals, uh, you know, uh, encourage them to uh, like some of the platforms, like Alpine IQ, like they have loyalty programs, hmm. right? So you can, you can, uh, opt people into your loyalty program and then you send text messages with different, uh, okay. tiers, like as they, as, uh, they spend the different, different amounts of money and they get uh, credits, but then also like product announcements, product drops. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can use SMS and email marketing for this. I would say the difference is like SMS as say is more, uh, driving like, uh, sales for that day. So it's like more mm-hmm. instant, Okay. In email, I would use more to, to promote um, brands, to promote your, your overall kind of like like what's going on for the week. So you can send out an email on Monday. as like here are the deals of the week. Here are the product drops of the week. Whereas in text messaging, you can just send out a text message to each yeah. person.
1: Those are both first party data plays too. So that's probably a low cost way to increase like your average or your lifetime value of each customer to get them back for repeat business and, and get them just brand loyal, even to
0: another degree. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, with the SMS, you know, there's a lot more segmentation that you have available, so you can actually, you know, segment by brand. So anyone that's purchased, um, you know, anything by uh, CannaCraft uh, over the last six months, I can select that and then only text message, you know, deals related to this brand, to that audience, or I can segment by like product categories. So if they bought flour in the past or edibles, like the different customer segments, um, you know, you should t- speak to them um, in the products that they're actually interested in. You can look at their history of, what they have purchased in the past, and really make sure your messaging is relevant.
1: Yeah. What, what are you people. using for that type of uh, outreach? That wouldn't be a uh, anything I'm familiar with in the Google world. What would that be platform wise?
0: Uh, it's like Alpine IQ, Spring Big. Those are two popular okay. platforms exactly. uh, that people use, where you know they have connections with the point of sale system, so they're able to pull all this information uh, and then segment customers based on their purchasing habits. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, and then there's one that uh, I know that some, uh, some MSOs use is just Clavio. So they use Clavio to do um, abandonment cart campaigns. So, oh, yeah. uh, you know, if someone uh, goes through the checkout process, but then doesn't buy, uh, they can get an automatic email uh, saying like, hey, come back to the store to finish your, you know, finish your purchase. So that's something I've seen on some, uh, some uh, you know, retailers
1: oh yeah any even non-cannabis will do that well they'll they'll hit you up with a 10 percent offer to come back and complete your purchase or whatever to to get your abandoned cart completed there
0: it makes sense yep exactly exactly i believe you can do sms with clavio as well so oh cool you can do both yeah awesome cool anything any other questions before we hop we're almost at the uh top of the hour here mason Yeah, you know, thank you for your questions appreciate that and hopefully uh, that was helpful uh, anyone else, you know, I'm happy to, to hop on a call and, and, you know, kind of work through a marketing strategy. So I'll, I'll post my calendar link here in the zoom chat, feel free to schedule a time with me and, uh, happy to go through any of these strategies and yeah, see if I can support you in any way.
1: Great. Great. And thank you too, Jim. It was interesting learning about the, I'm, I'm curious what the, the natural edible bomb cleaner is. So that's, that's always fun.
0: <laughs> this yeah. industry is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks again, uh, Nick, for for joining me today. And thank you for the audience for joining. And, you know, once again, signing off here at MediaGel. And, you know, we are your your, entry point for connecting cannabis retailers and brands to consumers. And as I mentioned before, you know, we do that through uh, our ad network of mainstream publishers, mobile apps, games, and TV. And we integrate paid search with SEO and display advertising. So we're the only one in the industry doing this. Um, so, you know, happy to to kind of share um, our new technology uh, and and uh, elevate, you know, companies further. So Definitely. thank you, everybody. Cool. See you later. That was fun, Guillermo. Have a good yeah. one. Talk soon.